Well, I'm drinking a Nixie. Oh, so that's why you're gassy. That's why you're gassy. <laughs> yeah, Dylan just read me um, this like meme of a review that was on Yelp for a, a barber shop, and the guy was like, "Oh, I let off a horrendous fart," and the amazing hairdresser didn't even like flinch and took the um, hair dryer and just blew it at my crotch for like ten minutes. <laughs> I was like the epitome of professionalism and it was like five stars <laughs> i was like let me start that's great <laughs> anyways this is the true north collective podcast a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity created by the real life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north welcome to season three of the podcast hi i'm rachel I am massively unlearning. My period is synced up to the full moon, and I've seen Twilight over a hundred times. Hi, I'm Janelle. I purchased a knife on a first date at Walmart. I've been wearing my face mask upside down since I got it, and birds love to shit on me. Hi, I'm Bruno. I have four tattoos that are personal mantras and things that I struggle with. I noticed lately that I've been taking extra long showers because that's my time to just reflect and be present. And I'm a personal growth junkie. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. I kept, it kept sounding like you just saying, I have four tit tits. <laughs> and I kept thinking you were going to say. Really? I was like, what is she saying? Oh, do I tattoos. need to do it again? No. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was hearing ticks. Like the gross <laughs> it animal. Must be a Chicago, you... It must be a Chicago it might be a sh- <laughs> Accident is what I just I, should, should, accident. I, should I like say it slower? Like tattoos? No, no, no it's perfect. <laughs> okay, do you guys know what the purpose of a tick is? Do they have a purpose? I've been asking this question a lot. To suck your blood. Well, is that like their only purpose? Like spiders eat other bugs and I don't know, bees pollinate things. Ticks are just like, what, there to eat your blood? Have you Googled it? I have. What did it say? (laughs) (laughs) Is it a parasite? I think so. what did it say, Chanel? You Googled it. <laughs> I'm like bringing up. I'm, okay, hold on. <laughs> also, I for sure. I will Google search this while you guys continue okay. coming. I for sure thought that the Twilight over 100 times was going to get lots of comments from the peanut gallery. I, well, yeah, that was going to be my next part, but I randomly went with ticks, which didn't really have anything to do with anything. I did not know that about you, Rach. Well, do you remember after I broke up with Nick and I had, like, no money at all? I was just, like, living in that house with, like, so much debt, and I was riding that Red Robin bike to work in the, like, freezing cold because I, like, couldn't afford gas. Do you remember that? No, no, but I remember, (laughs) I don't know about the bike, but I remember everything else. Yeah. Well, so I was like cutting expenses everywhere that I could. And so I didn't have cable and it was like before the time of Netflix and stuff like that. And so I had 
Twilight was the one DVD that I had. And like there wasn't Redbox or anything like that. And so I just would have Twilight on. It was like the only movie that made me like feel calm. I don't know why. And I would just, oh, I, I literally, I've, I've watched it so many times. It's not even funny. And I had like a minor obsession with vampires. Because who doesn't? Duh. This is so fascinating. What? Interesting. Apparently animals do eat ticks. They eat them? Yes. <laughs> for what i thought they don't isn't it hard to kill them it's like damn near impossible to kill them that's i don't know it's weird too that ticks suck blood and so do vampires whoa what a mm. connection <laughs> okay so what did the what is the purpose of a tick um they're food for other animals and oh, they also kill they also kill they're a larger host. Okay, that's terrible. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> okay. So, Great. The more you know. I'm doing the rainbow symbol. Or, <laughs> I don't know. Or hand gesture. Bruno, which tattoo is speaking to you the most right now? I would say the one trust in the journey. I have it written on my inner left wrist and I'm in a definite transition stage of my life right now. And it's just, I find myself white knuckling things a lot and trying to like hold on for dear life. And one of my other mottos that I don't have tattooed on my body is unclench your butt cheeks. So (laughs) (laughs) so a nicer way to say that is trust in the journey um oh my god although i have thought about getting i have thought about getting unclench your butt cheeks (laughs) tattooed on my butt cheek i really i'm here for that like on like on un on like the left cheek and then clench on the right cheek. maybe you can only read it if you're if they're unclenched Oh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm getting. I have a. Oh, go ahead, Janelle. Uh, I was just gonna say I have a tattoo that I got when I was really young in my rib cage, and I like it says fate, which it doesn't really mean much to me anymore. But my friends always think it says Tito's, and I just really wish it did. Like Is I just want to change it to, to Tito's. It? Yeah. I think I, I. I'm like, but would I pay money for that? I'm like, maybe. <laughs> I've never seen that. Is that the only one you have? I thought you had another one. No, it's the only one I have, and it's very well hidden. But when it is exposed, nice. people are like, what does that say? I'm like, Tito's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting three more tattoos next Thursday. I'm so excited. Oh, shoot. Poke and stick or whatever? No. A stick and poke? No. It, that <laughs> I, not that I don't like the stick and pokes, but it's, uh, they just take a long time and no, I'm getting the regular old tattoos. I'm excited. What are you getting? Uh, on my inner right bicep, I'm going to have, there's a mathematical symbol that's an equal sign with a tilde on top and it means same, same, but different. And then an infinity on my left knee, a small one. And then a seagull on my left 
inner elbow somewhere. I'm still trying to figure out where. But my grandmother is going to be 104 this year. She was in on the Jersey Shore. Damn. I know. And uh, every time I hear seagulls, it just like is a. I love the sound of seagulls. And I know they're like a very dirty bird, but um, <laughs> they just make me so feel peaceful. And I can actually hear seagulls here in Dallas for some reason. Uh, and so every time I hear them, it's just like I get nostalgic and calm. And I was, and I, actually Dylan said it. Uh, he was like, you should get a seagull tattoo for Nana. And I was just like, oh my God, I totally should. And then I looked it up and they mean freedom. And I was like, <gasps> so I just, I just, yeah, she's been around for so long and just like she's seen so much and I, I always get tattoos that I'm not really sure, like I live into the meaning of them. That's what always seems to happen. And I think um, that one is definitely going to reveal itself to me and I'm excited. So, yeah. I saw one like a seagull on Monday night. It was missing a leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're scrappy as hell. I also love that about them. Yeah. Dude, I was at, um, yeah, I was, we went, we drove to Galveston and Corpus Christi a few weeks ago and they had so many pelicans there. Have you guys ever seen pelicans fly overhead? Pelicans are the things that shit on me. This is full circle. Wait, what? They're huge. Yeah. You as a child, like imagine a child in a pelican shitting on you, completely covered. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot that came out of that thing. Yeah. So pelicans and I are not friends. Oh, but they're so pretty, no. Janelle. From uh, unless they're above you, shitting on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but aren't they pretty when they fly? Uh, I'm like, anytime a bird flies over me, I like look and I'm like, oh my god, this motherfucker! So he's about to shit on me. He is about to shit on me. And it doesn't always happen, but it happens a lot. Like, I'm very... It's supposed to be good luck. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm a very lucky person. In Italian, but it's good luck. it still sucks when a bird shits on you. Regardless. <laughs> it's good luck. I mean, it is pretty gross, but whatever. Pelican poops. Hey. I'd like to yeah, see that. Pelican poops. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to... I bet there's a photo somewhere. I'll try to dig it up. With all the pelican poop on you? Please Maybe. find it. I feel like my parents would take a picture of <laughs> me with pelican shit. Where did and, it like, hit hang you? hang it up somewhere publicly. Where did it hit you? <laughs> oh, I was, like, covered, I guess. Like, they could not even carry me because I was completely oh. doused. Oh, my gosh. That's so gross. Yeah. Was it white or was it yeah. another color? I mean, I was young. Like, this one, I was, like, a young baby, so I don't remember any of it. Thank God. But I don't know. I think in my, like, subconscious, there's, like, a fear of pelicans shitting on me. You know it's a lot more fun than getting shit on by birds? Attending the collective, yup, our monthly meetup where our Truth Collective community comes together and we have live conversations on how we are fearlessly finding and living our true north. The collective happens on the first Thursday of every month in August. That will be August 6th. We're hosting at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time and we're chatting about the unique gifts that we all bring into the world. We would love to be able to celebrate you 
In order to jump into the collective, all you have to do is follow us on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. The link for Zoom will be there. Or you can sign up for a mailing list. Please do it. And we will email you the link. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, mm-hmm. on that note, I think we should introduce Bruno. We can do that. <laughs> I gave you permission. Okay, great. Um, so I am so excited to invite Lisa Bruno or to introduce Lisa Bruno. Um, I we call her Bruno. I have known her for I mean since college, so I think it's over twenty years. I think is it over twenty years, Bruno? She's like you told me to um, mute. <laughs> we have been we have been out of college for fifteen. Oh, we have. Yeah, but you and I met in we met, like, the, the sorority first week. freshman year. I met you. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Nineteen. Yeah. So it's gotta be gotta be eighteen or nineteen years. Yeah, it's so crazy. But yeah, Bruno is somebody who like we've been through so many ups and downs together, and she's represents to me like what a true friendship can look like when you don't like give up on each other when things like go different ways and you kind of are at different phases of your life like I've had friends that have kind of we've gone our separate ways but for whatever reason Bruno and I have always like stayed connected even if it wasn't super close and lately we've just really like bonded I feel like you're one of my closest people in my life and I I'm so lucky to know you. Um, your heart and your spirit is just one of, it's charismatic, it is magnetic, it is passionate, and um, it's such a cool energy that I get to have in my life. So um, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast, and so so welcome to the True North Collective. Thanks, Rach. And thanks, guys. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I, um, if you could just in like, you know, fairly quickly, like, who are you? What brought you here? Um, yeah, just a little bit about you so people know who they're talking to. Yeah. Um, so Rachel and I went to Indiana University. That's where we met. Um, and we joined the same sorority. And then we have been friends ever since. Um, and Rachel actually is a life coach, um, for me and with me and basically got out of college, moved back to Chicago. I'm from Chicago, born and raised, um, went into transportation logistics, um, as a career and have been in, have been in that for about 15 years, pretty much with the same company. And through that, I learned I was working my way up through the corporate ladder and whatnot. And, you know, I had different goals in my career. And in my 20s, I was more focused on on that. And it came a point where money just wasn't a factor anymore because my happiness was starting to trump the money and the job was getting really really stressful and I was in a hot seat and whatnot so it was a interesting play with my ego 
and then what was true to me and you know do I just keep making more money and keep going up the ladder or and why is that why is that what I want and I kind of like took a pause and started realizing that it money doesn't make you happy yeah it can make your life easier and whatnot but um that's when I started focusing a lot more on myself and you know dating more and having more um more of finding more of a value with relationships and whatnot and yeah that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at and I'm focusing a lot more on myself right now which is a really good really good place and I actually got laid off recently um, because of COVID and I kind of saw it coming and this was, this was almost my, I mean, I'm still in it right now and I'm in this transitioning phase, but it's like, I finally have this time to do me and reflect and figure out what I want to do career wise and what's just important to me. So it's like, this blessing in disguise that I was laid off and it wasn't because of performance or whatnot, but it was like, I kind of saw it coming and it just has given me this time to reflect and focus on me as opposed to my career and whatnot. So it's, I'm super grateful for this time, even though I know the pandemic and whatnot is not great, but I'm like trying to, see the silver lining and make it the most awesome experience that I can and just ride the wave kind of. That's very relatable right now. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say like kudos to you too, for being able to experience all the emotions of it, but also like finding, I hear you finding the gift in it, like finding the space, um, I, I wanted to, I know you mentioned at the beginning about being a um, personal development junkie or addict, and I can for sure relate to that. Where do you, do you think that started from your time in the corporate world and then realizing you didn't want to be, or do you think that was there even before that? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I would say that my first bout at therapy, like with an actual therapist was when my parents got divorced. Um, I don't even know when this time was, but it was somewhere between sophomore and senior year of high school. And the court issued me to go to therapy. And of course, at that time, I'm, I don't know, 16, 17 years old. And I said to my mom, I'm like, but mom, I don't want therapy. Therapy's for crazy people. And I'm not crazy. And she's like, just go and whatnot. So that was my first experience with therapy. And it wasn't an experience at all. And I was able to get out of that story that I created in my head and see that therapy was a good thing. Then fast forward, I'm in college. I start dating this guy and we still dated after college and the relationship took a turn and it all of a sudden felt 
icky. And yes, a very technical term. It felt icky. And I was at a place where I just was stuck. And I was like, I don't know why I feel this way, but I know that I need to seek out help. So I went to a different therapist and talked to her about our relationship and whatnot. And ultimately, I ended the relationship uh, with him. And ever since then, right out of college, because I went to therapy for me and it was my choice, that propelled my personal development growth. And that is when I started really buying into therapy and seeing the positive effects from it. And just seeing that I needed to work on myself and I wasn't in a good place mentally. I mean, I was fine, but I just wasn't happy in that relationship. And then after that relationship ended, I kept seeing her and started to learn more and more about ego and um, anxiety and different boundaries that are set and what a healthy relationship looks like versus a toxic one. And so that really has like, I'm just like, oh, I'm in. Like, this is just my jam and I'm always looking to improve myself. So, I mean, I've, I've been in therapy, not for significant reasons, but more so just for, you know, the personal health or mental health aspect. And it's just like, I view it as you go and exercise, you know, some people do yoga, some people do spin class, lift weights. This is like exercising my mind and keeping me on track and keeping me accountable and whatnot. It's so interesting to me. I had, I always think of you as somebody who is such a proponent of therapy. So A, to hear you say that it was court ordered, I had no idea. And B, to hear that you didn't feel like it was your choice until after college, because I feel like the first time I went and saw a therapist after college was in large part because for like how I remember your relationship to therapy was that it was such a gift. And that is why I felt like encouraged to go talk to somebody when I needed help. And so it's so fascinating Again, and on a totally flip side, it's really fascinating that we've been friends for this long and there continues to be things that like you don't know about each other, you know? Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, I was just going to say similar growing up. I, I just didn't really know anyone or at least no one was talking about going to therapy and I had similar beliefs around like, oh, that's you only go to therapy if something's like really bad or, you know, you're in a terrible space. So it was something I had never really thought was an option for me. And it wasn't until recently that all of a sudden I felt like so many of my friends were doing it. And I'm like, okay, so this is something that is a little bit norm normal. And like it, people are saying really positive things about it. Well, and even similar with Rachel, you did a life coaching session with me. I actually found my notes from it uh, for the first time in like late 2017. And not that it's therapy, but even like that was a very foreign 
concept to me, but it also opened me up to realizing how much I actually didn't know about like a different belief system or a different perspective and even about myself. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I recently just started therapy for the first time this year. And I mean, it has like fucking blown my mind. I'm like, how do people not like use these modalities to better get to know themselves and to just have that outlet? Like I, I'm just like, everyone go, go to therapy, <laughs> like, go get a life coach. Well, and it's interesting too, because there's different types of therapists. Like, again, Bruno, I know you've had different therapists and I, that gave me permission to be like, oh, okay, I can have multiple, I can have different therapists. So since I've moved to Dallas, I've had, um, I think I've had three different therapists and, and I've had different ones throughout the years based on, you know, where I lived or just what I was going through. And when I came to Dallas, I actually found a therapist who is an existential therapist. And I really was like, cause I think I've wrestled a lot with my life of like, what's the bigger purpose? Like, why am I here? How come I got select? Like, how come I won that lottery ticket to be here in this body? And like, how come I didn't die from cancer, but other people did? Like I've always, and even before that, I've always had these really big life questions. And so I was like, okay, I think this existential therapist is going to be great. And what ended up happening is she, and I don't even know if this is like true of all existential therapists, but she was really focused on asking those bigger questions. And so it ended up being really difficult for me to be in sessions with her because we would just go round and round in circles because I was already asking those questions. And then that was her way was to ask those questions. So it was just like, Ugh. and so I ended up backing away from her. Um, and now I have one that focuses on CBT. So cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been very helpful for me. I tend to be a very like, I go inwards to self-reflect like so much so that I kind of like self-isolate and the CBT has helped me to be able to like parse out the the big glom of stuff that I'm kind of like stewing with and I've learned so much from from her and now she's like I think you're good and I'm like what wait, wait. So now I'm kind of like, okay, no, let me give myself some space to sit with the things I learned and see what sticks. And, um, and like, I'm excited to see what I'm inspired to go to, um, in terms of su support where, wherever it feels like I need it next. So I don't know if that's relevant or not, but calling it out. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have done CBD CBT therapy. Um, and Janelle, to your point, I completely agree with you. I am like, how is, how is not everyone in therapy? Like this one has, I don't know, just things that they can work on or heal from their past or childhood or whatnot that I'm like, when someone's not in it or they haven't done it, I am just like such a proponent and like, you know, it's the whole stigma behind therapy, I think has gotten a lot 
lighter or diminished or whatnot. And now I have the viewpoint that like therapy is for the strong because you're basically saying I want help or I need help in X, Y, Z. And it's not for the weak, which is what I feel like the stigma has been for years. And maybe it's just my inner circle of friends or family or whatnot. But I feel that like therapy just helps everyone and then the the relationships around that person, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, a stranger on the street. It just opens your eyes to different ways of thinking. And, you know, you take what you, that makes sense and you leave what doesn't make sense. Um, And not every therapist says is, may feel good to you or is a hundred percent quote unquote right for you, but it's a different way to look at it. And maybe you're, you take on that advice or that modality like later on and when, when it actually makes more sense. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I was just thinking to myself that there's something really cool too about, I mean, I love the coaching approach because it is so much of, of it is putting the wisdom and the answers in the, the heart of your client. And, and I think there's something really magical about all of these that is like you being able to be witnessed being yourself and knowing that you can walk away and that person has zero stake in the game um, is just the most coolest thing ever to me. And like the ability for me to just have another person, I mean, I've dealt with like authority, fear of authority figures and for a long time. And that's due to some childhood experiences that I had, as well as I'm realizing when I was sick and like in with Western medicine, especially in the nineties. Yeah, it was in the nineties. Um, you know, it was, that was like the thing and not, I, I know that there were other things there still, but in my circle, what, how I was raised is like the medical professionals know what's best. And so in order for me to survive cancer, I needed to have these treatments in this way. And I, I, I don't really recall having a lot of say. And so I think a lot of the experiences that I had at a young age led me to believe that I didn't really have a voice that was worth any salt. And, and to be able to have that space with a therapist and hear concepts like you're not better than anyone and nobody's better than you was just like, what? wait, you're telling me that there's not a hierarchy and that I'm not on the lowest part of the totem pole, you know, like, or that my voice actually matters. And, and to be able to, to have those invitations, like you said, of like, you know, take it or leave it, or even to experience multiple therapists and then to be like, that one worked for me, but this, this one doesn't, and that's okay. And that doesn't make either of us wrong. I'm going to just find the support that works for me. And even beyond therapy, it's like, Sometimes therapy, I know it's what I need and I want. And then sometimes what I need and what I want is my shamanic sound healer. 
And so to be able to have all these different levers at my fingertips to support me in being myself is, is pretty wild. Cause I don't think I really was like ever taught that when I was a kid. Like I don't remember my, or my people in my family have been, and I have been connected to like the AA groups, but nothing ever that was like, it was always to fix something that was broken. Um, and not that that's what 12 steps, you know, are a hundred percent, but that was just the sentiment that I took away from it. So it's, it's pretty cool to see all these wellness things here for people to be able to see what's right in them and, and, you know, step into their potential, um, and grow not from a place of weakness, but from a place of strength. I, I definitely feel that too, Bruno. Yeah. I'll even add to your like both of your perspectives on therapy and the therapy I'm doing is actually completely different than you all even mentioned where we've been doing a lot of EMDR and we're going back and it's almost like getting into kind of a meditative state like it's similar process and then actually trying to like reprogram past memories so if they're triggering you or they bring up a lot of different emotion you know maybe originally when you go back to that memory it's you know, level eight. And then by the time you're done with these sessions, the goal is to get that level down and it might never be a zero, but it at least hopefully is closer to like a a one or two, which has been really interesting for me, just like the things that come up and they're not, you know, it's not prompted. It's just like, think of a time that you felt this way. And when you're actually, you have the space to just like go back and reflect and it, it does feel safe. And Rachel, to your point, when this person you know really doesn't have any stake in your life like I have a really hard time crying in front of people that I know and like I I, with my therapist I feel like I just instantly cry like the second we start talking about something which is interesting for me to see like where I might have some blockages and in my actual relationships with people that I you know have built strong close connections with Um, but it isn't just interesting, like all the different types of therapy too, that I had like absolutely no idea until recently. Um, and it's really helped me connect in, connect my emotions and my body together, which Rachel, as you know, too, from life coaching and and working with me, those are like the two areas that I've really been, been focusing on. So it's been cool to see it from two different, but I guess, similar category perspectives. Yeah. I I was just sitting here thinking to myself how interesting it is that because my the therapist that I've had for the last few months was like like I said earlier, she was like, Okay, I think we're good and then I was just like, uh <laughs> and it's so fascinating to me. Maybe that's why I love coaching so much is that like the coaching space to me feels like you're allowed to celebrate also. Not that you can't in therapy too, but like it's almost like once you've worked through the thing, then it's like, okay, you get to go on with your life, you know? And I find that it's super beneficial to also be able to reflect on on the times that are going well too. And so I don't I guess I'm like working through it right now of like you know, it's being able to work through our shadows and 
our traumas and see how they're showing up today um, absolutely has continues to help me figure out who I am and who I want to be. And yet it's interesting that when, you know, I get to this place that's deemed all right, then there isn't necessarily that space anymore. Or is there? Is there a space that I'm not thinking of? Can you guys think of a space where you like, would we all just like go and talk about how, how it's working? Coaching is the only thing I can think of right now. Yeah, I would say coaching. I mean, depending on your relationships in your life, I guess friendships and family. But yeah, as far as uh, potentially hired professionals. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Always focusing on the fix, not the yeah. What's going right? And and not I that... will say. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I will say that I definitely. Of course, therapy is there because you're trying to heal or solve or shift a mindset um, about something that feels icky, right? But I will also say that I have definitely gone into therapy and was like, listen to this. And like, it'll be something we just talked about a week ago or a couple of weeks back. And like, I worked through whatever we talked about and I was happy to report like, this is what happened. And this is what I normally would have done. I would have lost my temper, blown up. I would have been really quiet and gotten really small, whatever the the action was. And this is what I did. And then we talk that and see if there's any messiness in my quote unquote new action. Um, or she or he, the therapist will say, yeah, that's right on. And that, remember that feeling of what you did or, or whatnot. So I do, I don't like to totally focus on the, what do I have to keep changing or working on or whatnot? Because then you're just, you're just adding to your big long laundry list of things that you have to keep working on. And and then it seems so daunting, but then when you start making that progress, And you start celebrating that with your therapist or you tell your friend or your mom or your whoever, then it's like, this is getting a payoff and I'm growing and I'm literally watching myself like grow and heal, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally it does. And I wonder if because... Rachel, <laughs> every day I'm like, I can feel myself. I'm still in a shitty place. But I can feel myself growing and healing. Like I, I yeah. visibly can like see it. I can feel it in my body. I can feel things getting better. Sorry, Rachel, go ahead though. Oh, I was going to say, I wonder if CBT, if I recall, I think that does have like a time frame to it. Maybe that's why she's pushing more for it to be, to have some closure um, cause totally. And we definitely celebrate, but I was surprised. I was like, I feel like anyways, um, a question for both of you, actually, what, 
because I, I, you know, it's not the easiest thing to choose to look at yourself squarely in the mirror and go, oh, I see that thing about myself. And I'll speak from I. <laughs> like, I see this part of myself that I have not wanted to look at forever. And I could choose to avoid it and just keep like putting band-aids and blah, blah, blah on it. And I'm not going to, I'm going to face it. And it gets uncomfortable. What keeps you guys, what keeps you guys moving through the growth? Um, what keeps you wanting to continue to step into the discomfort of actually looking at the parts of yourself that you might not be the most proud of over and over and over again? And to the point where you're like, I'm a self-development junkie. Um, <laughs> I will say that, um, hang on, I just had it. Basically, what keeps me going is that I don't want to keep repeating the same patterns. And what I find that I'm doing in relationships when I'm dating someone, I want to make sure whatever is coming up in the relationship, I am trying to hit that head on as much as I can. Because if I don't, if I ignore that, or if I bury it and ignore it and not look at myself in the mirror, it's going to come up in the, either it's going to keep coming up in that same relationship, or I'm going to break up with that person or we'll break up. And then it's going to come up in the next relationship. And that's something that, and again, the, you know, my goal is to find a significant other to settle down with. I'm single right now. and that's my ultimate goal. And in order to get to that goal, I have to keep working on myself and keep healing and hearing things that don't feel good or, and why doesn't it feel good? And then go and explore that either with a therapist or a life coach or a self-help book or whatnot and figure out where that root is really coming from because otherwise I'm going to keep repeating the same patterns and like, yes, I have grace when I do, I don't know, I don't want to say make a mistake, but like when I don't learn from it, but then it keeps coming up and then it's like, okay, I have to deal with this and I want to deal with it. And now it's becoming a higher priority and there's a bigger payoff from it because then I get to heal and then be free of whatever that you know, trauma was that I was affected by. Vigorously shaking my head in agreement, running into the fire too many times and getting sick of getting burned. Because <laughs> like, that's what a lot of times it feel, feels like to me is like, Bruno, you mentioned patterns. Yes. Like the same pattern of like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to run into this fire again, thinking it's different this time but I haven't changed anything I'm still fucking running into the fire and it hurts every single time I think I heard someone say to the other day if you keep on experiencing the same thing then you probably haven't learned your lesson <laughs> so, um, that goes into it and then I would also say when I started doing this like any 
we're always in a state, I would hope, of like self-improvement. But when I started to be more intentional about it, there's definitely a genuine curiosity in getting to know myself because we don't really get taught tools and skills to get to know yourself growing up. It's more just like, here are these things, learn them, memorize them. Um, and there are opportunities to learn about yourself, but there's not a lot of structure that you're given. Um, and then when I started to learn, it it's like you can't unsee it now. I don't know. Like, you get to a point where you start to learn and, like, you start to dig. And as you dig, it's like you, you, it almost feels, like, impossible to go back because you then know that. Like, I would know that I was just, like, choosing to be there. So there's like, that self-responsibility of, like, well, shoot, now that you know, like, you can't just blindly run into the fire anymore unless you, like, actually want to get burned and you know now. So it's like, well, I'm not going to run into the fire. Or if I do, I'm probably doing it to a lesser extent and then being like, oh, yeah, here's the same thing. I, I, yeah, so it always feels like you just, like, for me, like, I can't go back now because I know better. And I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> the fire analogy. The quote one. that comes up. Yeah. The quote that comes up for me when you're saying that, Janelle, is insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And totally. that is, yeah, what's coming up. And then also there, yeah, there's some quote out there that you like, I don't know what it is. It, something along the lines of until the lesson is learned, you will keep staying with that person or keep doing the same thing. And until the lesson is actually truly learned, that's when you break free. Something like yeah, that. Totally. The angry therapist always likes to say new or same relationship, different face. If you haven't learned your lesson, you'll just keep going to the same relationship over and over again. The only thing that'll change is the faces of the people that are in the relationship with you. Yep. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I loved Bruno, your, your, um, mention of, once I was able, at least this is what I heard, once I was able to like feel how good it felt to not, you know, run into the fire, it was like, I don't know, there's a euphoria to that. I think I was trying to sit here while you guys were talking and listen and like, what, yeah, that kind of feels like mine. Yeah, that, you know, I think there's a part of me that has, gets like just utterly exhausted with myself and I'm just like, oh my God, like, seriously um that keeps me wanting to keep like I, I actually can't physically like my body it's almost like it rejects the the stagnant stagnant nature of not growing so it's like just like an innate quality but I think where it really started to stick for me was like my 20s I was pretty numbed out and I didn't there's a lot of people close to me. Like I had a conversation with um, our friend Amy and she was just like, I just wish you could be content. Like she didn't even say happy. She was like, I just wish you could be content. And that like sucked to hear. Like I was just like, wow. And that's how I felt. Like I was just like, I don't, I don't even know 
how to feel good. And when I started to have that sense of like, just randomly smiling at like, like smelling the air outside or like a moment in my day that just made me smile. It was like, holy shit, I want more of that. Like it was, and I think that's that, not that I have to be like over the moon all the time, but just the ability to experience myself actually living um, is something that I am just so grateful for. And why I continue to like put myself in like I did that boundaries course and I asked both of you guys to share candidly with me about what you saw in me where my boundaries are rigid or not rigid and like that was one of the scariest things that was super scary um to like just be like okay tell me honestly what you see um but on the other end of that is an ability to see myself and to really feel what it's like to see myself. And there's nothing else that I've ever experienced like that. And so even though it's uncomfortable, it's like I want to be in that discomfort so that I can feel what it feels like to really be alive. Not just the like, whatever that curated like experience I was trying to just like, you know, create for myself to, I don't even know what the fuck I was doing. I don't think I knew what I was doing. It was just like, I was just surviving. I guess I was just surviving. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting question. I have another one unless you guys have stuff you want to. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, how do you think trauma has, I hate this. Like I kind of want to slap myself for saying it because I feel like people always asked me this when I was going, when I was experiencing really heavy stuff and I'd be like, shut the fuck up, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, how do you think like the tough things, the traumas that you've experienced have helped, supported you, been there, helped you to become the person that you are? That's a doozy. Well, <laughs> oh, well, I will. This isn't going to answer your question, but I'll start by saying for a very long time, I was like, I don't really have trauma. <laughs> like, you know, like one or two things, maybe. Um, because I, that word in general feels so scary and sometimes I you know I can look back at my life and be like you've had a good life like you grew up with a safe family you grew up you know with a, a home like you you haven't experienced trauma um but I also think it's very easy for me people in general just to look back and you kind of just see everything with rose-colored glasses too and, and not that like it is true that I grew up in a great family and you know whatever but like it's very easy just to sort of like rose classes everything and just be like yeah it's fine it wasn't that bad um and recently just having the space to process things realizing what an impact like I know a lot of therapists say like it's like big trauma versus little trauma and I'm sure there's other ways to explain it um but what an impact 
the little trauma, like the things that on the surface or maybe for someone else don't feel significant, but internally, whether it's, you know, it could be you as a kid and I don't know, like you got left, this actually happened to me, you got left at a gas station. (laughs) It's not that big of a deal, right? I survived, but like, that's trauma like if you felt the fear and like had that experience deeply and it was scary like you can carry that on and I I don't think I actually realized that until maybe even this year where people would ask those questions and I always felt like I had a lot of pain in me but like I didn't quite understand why um so that doesn't answer your question at all but maybe that's just helpful for someone else that is listening and might think well, I've had a really great life. Like, I don't, I don't have any trauma. Like everyone has, I'm, I would think I'll say almost everyone, but I feel like everyone <laughs> has had some sort of trauma in their life. I'm pretty sure it's impossible not to have experienced any of it. So I'll say that that doesn't answer your question. <laughs> well, I think that I heard in it that the trauma allowed you to be able to like, be honest with yourself. Or in that, like, I think I heard you say that I know I felt a heaviness, but I didn't really, I couldn't connect it to anything. And so maybe having that language gave you, gave you a chance to be honest with yourself about your life. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making something up out of nothing. Yeah, I would say language, like space, awareness, almost permission to still be able to say like you've lived a good life but you've experienced things like it always almost felt that like I was just making too big of a deal out of anything I'd ever experienced right we kind of are taught it's like just minimize it just minimize it it's like you're tough like I I think like in my mind and how I've functioned my analogy other than running to the fire is also like running straight into a brick wall and like being like, no, pick yourself up, girl, do it again. Like you will eventually get through the brick wall and like, and maybe I do, but like, I think a lot of times <laughs> I choose hard paths because like, it's, so I, I don't, I don't even, I feel like I'm like not even talking about anything. I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, I think just like the acceptance that those things could have impacted me with rather than just being like, you're fine, you're tough. It wasn't that big of a deal. I don't know if that adds clarity, but. Yeah, the one thing, uh, Janelle, that I agree with you on is like the word trauma. It's like this catastrophic word where you think of trauma, you think of a car accident and this person had a trauma, like they're really hurt and severely injured and they have to go to the hospital. And I think emotional trauma doesn't get a lot of recognition or awareness to it, which is why some people don't look in the mirror or, or if they understand that maybe that was quote unquote trauma, they don't want to, they'll just shove it under a rug or whatnot. Um, so I totally feel you there with that word. It's just, I mean, even when Rachel said it, I was like, ah, but it was, but it's like, I've become more, I don't know, accustomed or more accepted that whatever trauma 
I had in my childhood or whatnot, or even adult relationships, it's the word isn't as scary now because I've put context around it. And it's just an event that happened or maybe events that kept happening. And I guess I don't give it more uh, clout as maybe other people do. And or I'm not as afraid of it, maybe is the right term. Um, but I would say to answer Rachel's question, how, tr- how trauma helped me become the person that I am today. Um, I would say, you know, I had a difficult and tough relationship with my dad and he would push me in sports and saw my potential and my athletic ability and whatnot. But, and I know it was coming from a good place and he just wanted me to be the best that I could be and whatnot. But it was in my opinion, and he also sees it now he pushed too hard and too fast. And it really you know, damaged our relationship, especially when I am, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old, I'm still impressionable. And, you know, my dad now became my coach and he's giving me tough love as a coach instead of as a dad. And it's, I look back and I understand why he pushed hard and, and whatnot. But I think that from that, I had to be tough and I had to keep getting up. And, you know, I got knocked down on the basketball court. I had to keep getting up. And he kept, he didn't give up on me. And he kept coming, coming at me stronger and stronger so that I could like rise up. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that today has given me this stronger backbone that in facing adversity and whatnot, whether that's in the workplace or being a female or struggling with something that I'm trying to heal with, that it's like, okay, I know how to push myself. And now I know when it's too much or too far that I've been pushed and I need to give myself a break. Like Rachel, like you said, sometimes I'm just so damn tired. And I'm like, I don't want to look at one more self-help or motivational or personal growth person that I follow on Instagram. I am just like, turn that shit off. I just can't deal with one more thing because I'm so mentally tapped out with how much I'm working on myself. But at the same regard, it's, it's that training and practice that my dad instilled in me and now I'm uncovering a blind spot, literally on this podcast. Um, it's that training and practice and discipline that's over and over again. And yes, it might have gone a little too far, but that's probably why I'm so determined to heal all of the crap so I can be the best me and I can show up in these relationships with my significant other, friends, coworkers, parents, whatnot. Um, so I think, I hope that answered the question. I yeah. think it did. You gave me ideas. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I often have asked myself, like I said, it's been the most annoying question I've ever gotten, ever. Um, you know, trying to find the silver lining and the, the shit, the big pot of shit that, you know, you find yourself in and, or that I found myself in. And, um, and looking back on it, it's, taught me how it's given me the space and the invitation to ask myself what type of person I want to be and how do I want to how do I want to show up you know when when you get impacted by other people in a way that isn't the most awesome to put it really nicely um you know I think there have definitely been years where I there's like a, a quote that was a big blind spot for me that was in, oh, I'm going to fuck it up, but in fighting the monster, ensure that you don't become the monster. It's something like that. It's like in order to defeat the monster, make sure that you don't become the monster in that, you know, as you're doing it. And that always stuck with me because I think um, I could see myself becoming the monster in, in different ways. And that was really, really hard pill to swallow. And by being able to understand what it was to receive that, uh, be the receiver of, of behaviors that were not um, lifting anyone up, it was, I was able to kind of really hold on to that and invite myself strongly encourage myself even when it was just like felt impossible and shitty and I just wanted to be like I deserve to feel and do whatever I want because that was shit like that sucked you know it's like yeah but I don't want to turn around and go be that in the world and so knowing what it felt like it was like it encouraged me to want to be it was like I was almost proving to myself that like I had a choice and that a human could actually choose to do it better. And like the only way that I can actually prove that out is to do it myself. And if I can't do it myself, then I have to be okay living in a world where a human is willing to not do better. And it's just like, I don't want to live in that world. And so, yeah, I think I'm uncovering a blind spot too, Brun. So <laughs> all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, you guys are giving me thoughts to Rachel, you might connect with this, but I was like, okay, empathy. I think that is one that probably all of us can get. If you experience trauma, then you can take that and have a better understanding for other people's pain. Um, and then I would even say for some of the stuff that I've been working through, it it ha yeah, it has its pros and its cons. Like part of it, it for me is like, I have the ability now to be able to predict other people's needs and emotions a lot of times before they even say anything. Like I can read a room really well and pick up on things that not everyone can. And like a lot of that, you could say some of it's from intuition probably, but like a lot of that, I think it's just from conditioning growing up. Um, and that can be a problem sometimes, but it also can work in my favor. Like, I think a lot of that is actually why I'm good at marketing, like, <laughs> you know, like my job even, 
um, because I spent my entire you know childhood being very aware of the people around me and what they were feeling and how to um, support those feelings. Um, so even though you know it can have a dark side, I think it also does have a, a positive in, in who I am today and like why I'm actually successful at a lot of the things I do. I also heard in all of us that it was like, there wasn't a rejection. There's like an embracing. Um, and again, I might just be speaking for myself, but like the people in my life who were the most difficult for me, I, I actually have a really cool relationship with them now. And like a gift in working through, a gift in facing the trauma and working through it is that um, I've been actually... I have been able to influence the relationship in a different way. And so, um, I don't know, before when I was just in avoiding it, it was just like so much pain everywhere. But when I was able to sit with it and work through it and get support, um, I've been able to, like, the edges have gotten softer and I've, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, I still have the experiences that I had, but the, I have different, I've been able to embrace people in new ways and allow them to show up differently with me and not hold on so tightly to the construct that existed at any one given point in time. So I've actually been able to experience maybe not the exact relationship, how I wanted it to be, but like drastically closer to it I've been able to like laugh and smile and forgive and I mean it didn't doesn't happen overnight but that's that's been the gift in like if I had never done anything with it like I would just have a lot of pain and hate in me right now and not that I'm like you know unicorns coming out of my ass but um, yeah, I'm, I am grateful in a really weird way of being able to see myself become this person that was able to influence the relationships in my life that were the most difficult and to be able to connect in, in a way that I really wanted to for me, like I got to see myself work past the painful self-expressions to actually the loving self-expressions that allowed a different connection to happen that I don't think could have otherwise. And that's pretty cool. Holding that pain or anger or animosity towards someone, it's, I've, I heard some analogy and it's like, oh, you're carrying a glass of water around and you're like, okay, I have this glass, but then you have to do things. You have to wash the dishes, but you still have to hold the glass and then you have to drive the car and you can't spill the glass. And then, you know, you got to get dressed. And all of a sudden that glass starts weighing on you 
and now it becomes annoying. And now it's this thing that has become a part of you that I don't want to hold this glass anymore. And what resonated even more so with me is that, you know, my dad and I, we didn't really speak for, and this was my choice for a significant amount of time, like a little over 10 years. And that glass was just getting heavy and annoying. And I would go on dates and they would ask, you know, about your parents. And it was just this pit in my stomach. Every time I would say, yeah, I have a great relationship with my mom and I don't really talk to my dad. And that was this pit that just kept eating at me. And it wasn't until 2016 when I went to this, I don't even know what you want to call it, but this personal growth seminar called the Landmark Forum. And basically one morning they talk about how we make our parents wrong. And parents have no idea what is going on with how to raise children. And there's no manual or book or whatnot. And they're doing the best that they can. And they're putting food on the table and putting a shelter, like a roof over our head and putting us in school. And they're trying their best. And we're making them wrong. And that's when I reconciled with my dad and was like, I have been making him wrong this entire time. And really, it's on me. And I wanted to forgive him for whatever shit that I created in my head, whether that was true or not true or my perception or whatnot. But I wanted to be free. And that doesn't make him and whatever he did right or wrong. But I wanted to be free. And I was open to having a relationship with him. And we still have a relationship to this day from 2016 to now. And that weight and that glass that I've been carrying is gone. And is the relationship perfect? No, it's definitely not. But And it's a constant conversation and, and whatnot, but it's definitely better than those, you know, 10 plus years. And I'm grateful for having that reflection and that realization and this blind spot that I've been making him wrong all this time and pointing the finger at him when really it's my choice at the end of the day. Um, so I totally understand what you're saying with harboring all of that resentment and anger. And it just gets really heavy after a while. If I think of some of the relationships in my life that are not related to family, everything you said, and you can forgive someone and choose to still not have them in your life. And so I'd, just adding that for sometimes, again, like family is different and you can still choose not to you know, interact with your parents or, or whatnot. But I know for me, there have been relationships or people that I love that were incredibly unhealthy um, and I always struggled with the idea of loving someone so deeply and also realizing that I deserve more and they actually can't be in my life. And then how do you get closure and forgiveness so that you do put the glass down, but it doesn't necessarily have to involve that other person or invite that other person 
back into your life. So just adding that as like an additional perspective, um, because I think sometimes when you're in really unhealthy places too, it's easy to be like, oh, well, forgive them. And then they can come back to my life. And like, if there's no change, it's like, no, they might not actually need um, to come back to your life. Like we all get to choose the importance of relationship and we all get to choose if like that other person is willing to meet you there in some way too. Um, well, I guess you don't get to choose if they meet you there, but you can decide if they are meeting you there enough um, to continue to have them in your life. Yeah, definitely, Janelle. And, you know, one of the examples that coincides with what you're saying is they it's basically about the forgiveness and that you're not carrying that glass of water or that weight and you know, what really struck a chord with me and just like the wow factor from it is they were talking about, you know, this woman got raped and she, I don't know, wants or should, or I know you shouldn't should things, but wants to forgive her, her attacker not because what he did was right or okay, but that so she could be free and care and not carry that with her down exactly. the road and every day. Yeah, I guess. So that totally. So yeah, that doesn't make it right that just because you forgive the person, you know, oh, enter back in my life and keep treating me like shit. No, but it's more so like a an action out of self-love mm-hmm. and self-worth for yourself. How many times can I say self? But <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that yeah. I think there's the, that's the power in it. Exactly. The forgiveness is for you and not necessarily the other person. Totally. Well, it's, it's like I found that I didn't even realize how much weight I was actually carrying that was somebody else's by... I mean, basically by giving them that power, like by having them be this role in my life, it was such an integral player and part of my identity that I had to carry that I that part of my identity with. I had to basically carry that motherfucker with me the whole time. And it's just like, okay, I'm actually choosing to do this. Like I'm actually choosing to have this part, this person, this aspect of this person be so connected to my identity that now I have to carry that energetically with me. And I love the, the water analogy. And like, it's like, because it's somebody else, it, I always, it was hard for me to connect back how that was like mine. It was like, but that person's doing it. And when I was able to to see how I was holding on energetically to that aspect of them to maintain this sense of like righteousness or, you know, it was honestly the aspect of my identity that I was in at that moment. It required so much to like hold in place that it was like, I just couldn't do it anymore. And to be able to let that person go and not that it was that fucking easy, but, um, or to let those people go, it, it did free it up. It freed it up to be able to, Janelle, to your point, to be able to not be attached to whether that person, to how that person showed up in my life in any capacity. It was like, oh, you get to be you and I actually get to live my life and I don't have to hold on 
we're two separate beings and and I don't have to hold on to the the part of us that was a unit like I can just allow it to I can do my healing to allow me to show up as us today and not be attached one way or another of whether you're here or there or anything and it's interesting because I'm like recognizing in my life how there are still people on on smaller different scales where as I'm having this conversation about specific people that I've done this work with um, there's other places in my life on smaller scales that I don't think I realized the weight I was carrying on a small scale and so you know it to your point earlier Janelle of like little trauma big you know little t trauma trauma big t trauma it's like all those little things can add up too and so I'm sitting here recognizing I've done a lot of work on like the big t traumas that were there and the little micro traumas that are there that I almost am like well it's not that bad it's not as bad as that was so like I'm just gonna you know brush it off like those add up yeah. and my those are like little rocks you pick up oh, exactly <laughs> like yeah, my analogy for it. yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like I have like 40 fucking rocks that I'm carrying around in yeah. a sack versus yeah the water yeah and to remember that like I know how to do this like I know how to do this and I know how to and period I know how to do this period <laughs> it's like really cool to walk away from this conversation with for me, so much of my story, and while it doesn't like diminish what happens to you, right? Like your feelings are still relevant, but so much of my story then became I was victim to circumstance. And that was also then a part of my identity. Like I was this person that experienced this thing, and now I'm carrying it around like this weight that I'm you know lugging on my shoulder and like rather than saying like yes this happened it matters but do I want to focus all my attention on it or is it there a way that I can find closure from and yes some aspects of it will always be there but like I think I held on to it so much of like it was like I could never get past it it was like who I was and you know eventually whether or not you ever fully get past it, at least it's not as top of mind for you. Like some certain like things that we've been talking about now that I started a process a long time ago, like some of them still come up, some of them are still there. And a lot of it now, like it feels very distant and in the best possible way, like not in a way that feels unresolved, but in a way that's like, okay, that is a part of who you are. I can accept that that is something you went through. I can accept that, but that doesn't have to be the rock, the water, whatever it is that I'm carrying at the forefront today. So like for me, for me, it was like a lot of letting go of my victim identity of like this happened to me and stepping out of that to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. But I, what I, what was coming up for me when Janelle was saying that, is there was time times in my life where I did play the victim and whether that was high school, college, twenties, 
and made my dad wrong and whatnot. And then all of a sudden I had a flip and a switch that just went off. And I would like, you can either sit here and play victim and bitch and moan, but that's not going to change anything. And then I went into owning it more, like owning the trauma or owning whatever it's a big T, little T, many little T's, whatever it is, owning it. And like, I basically said to myself, these are the cards that I was dealt. What are you going to do with it? And I have a tattoo, one of my four tattoos, uh, I have on my right ring finger, the in, inside of my right ring finger. And it's two basically like little arrows or like a carrot, not the food carrot, like a chevron. And it's a Viking symbol and it means create your own reality. So what that means to me is if I'm playing victim or I'm bitching about something, either I have to change my mindset or I have to take action. And there's only two things. So it holds me accountable to not, and granted, it does not happen all the time. And hence why I have it tattooed on my body as a damn reminder and on my finger so I can see it all the time. But it holds me accountable to either change my mindset or take action. So I can't just stay stuck in limbo in this middle victim state. And I either have to own it, do something about it, but I can't just let it, let it lie. And that has helped me so much in any obstacle that is thrown my way. And yeah, of course I will let myself, I don't know, I'll, I'll let myself, you know, have a pity party, but only for like a very time because I want to feel it. I don't want to just bury the feelings of feeling disappointed or feeling hurt or slighted or whatever emotion I'm feeling. I want to feel that, but then I want to get out of it. And once I've processed it, it's like, okay, put that to bed. And now what are we going to do about it? And so that's, that's what was coming up for me when you were talking about that. Um, and either, you know, playing the victim or being in that, in that space where it's like, it doesn't feel good or like warm and fuzzy inside. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a good conversation. And I'm really grateful to be able to, you know, the world is in such a a shifting place right now and like I think even that question of you know where am I I can't remember exactly how you said it Bruno but where where can I just own that's what you said where can I own how can I own this like where am I playing the victim to this and and what if I actually owned it what if I own this is this is the the reality that I am in this is, this is what's happening and what do I actually want to do with it? And those three invitations are like as simple as they are, are really a beautiful reminder anytime, but I'm, I'm actually taking it especially right now of just like, where am I allowing 
the discomfort to give me permission to play the part of a victim right now and can I just own my part own it own the reality that I'm in own own the cards that I was dealt and from there radically accept it so that I can choose what I want to do with it um yeah it's a really cool practice and it's so hard. <laughs> you said it. You said it so nice, and I'm like, that's so beautiful. And then in it, I'm like, uh, what? Mm-mm. Yeah. And, and the more we, but the more we talk up openly about it, like mm-hmm. there's, we all have stuff to, to face totally. and to be like, fuck, I don't want to have to deal with this. Like, I just remember so many times in my twenties, like being invited to like being a part of organizations where they would invite me to like bring my personal life to the workplace. And then I would be like, Oh my God, I don't want to talk about that. Like, this is really awkward. And then I would open up or like, as I was realizing like the stuff that I went through, wasn't actually like, Oh, that wasn't a healthy thing to have gone through. Like that, not, that's not how everybody else experienced it. And just, my worldview was just like shattered of like, oh, so what I thought was normal was actually totally dysfunctional and like fucked up. Like what? Like, and that was really terrifying. Um, But again, it's like, I think we all have our examples in different ways of, of going through that stuff. And I appreciate this space as a, a place to invite um, us all to recognize that, you know, we've all have aspects of it and we're all at different phases and there, you know, there isn't just one way through and there are some kind of like things that we can consider and not feel quite alone, quite so alone in it, even if like the specifics around our experiences are different. And so I'm very appreciative of both of your guys' openness and vulnerability and having this conversation and 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 being a model of of owning it. I hear you both doing that very beautifully. So thank you for being that for me and for anyone who is, might be listening. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah, we all got our quote-unquote shit. And I think the more you can accept your own shit, the more accepting you are of everyone else's too. Yes. (laughs) At least that's how it's been for me. Yes, absolutely. Truth. (laughs) Truth. (laughs) So Bruno, (laughs) we always ask everybody one last question. How do you live your true north in one word? Authentic. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love it. Thank you. And if people want to reach, yeah, yeah, if people want to reach out to you at all, um, to like follow up or continue this conversation, is there a place that they could do that? Uh, yeah. Uh, my email is Lisa, L I S A Bruno, B as in boy, R U N O two one six at gmail.com. And my Instagram is lbruno16, I think. Um, But, yeah, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. It's pretty much LinkedIn, but that's not that fun. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm always open to talking about this kind of stuff and, you know, again, I'm on my own journey and I'm not doing it right every single day. And I definitely have been coming unglued and unhinged lately. And I'm like, why is this happening? And I'm like, it's okay. Like you're in it right now. Like you're going to look back in a few months and something you're going to learn. So I'm just, I'm just here, just being uncomfortable. <laughs> dude, motto of my life. I'm just good, here being uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> in good company. <laughs> oh my uh, I love it. Dude, you're awesome. But thank, thank you. you. Thank you guys for having this podcast. Thank you for having oh. me on. Thank you for being an outlet for so many people and, you know, definitely making, hopefully making them feel less alone and more connected um, to all of our different experiences since we're all so interrelated, even if we don't even know each other, you know? Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, thank you. <sighs> I'm going to sleep. Well, I don't know if I'm going to sleep well tonight, but I'm going to fall asleep with a smile on my face from this conversation. So thank you. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.